Thank you, Jenny. I told you, I told you at the breaking, I bet I didn't want to spoil it, but isn't that a great song? Can't we just see the love and the compassion and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ reaching out, saving a woman at the well, saving a person at the cross, saving you and I from our sins. It's tremendous. And we're so thankful that we are saved. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be at church today. We thank you that you have saved us from our sins and given us joy, given us eternal life, given us peace. And for those who do not yet know the Lord, they don't know what they're missing, Lord. And we just pray that you will bring some souls to you today. Here this morning and throughout the country and throughout the world, we pray that some folks will enter the kingdom of God today. And we just pray that you will speak to our hearts. Open up our hearts and touch us, Lord, with your word. May you hide me behind the cross, and may the words that are spoken be your words, Lord, and may they reach out by the Holy Spirit and, and tug at our hearts and speak to us and encourage us and challenge us. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I'd like to begin this morning by telling a story about a Russian countess. She had just accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior and was open about her testimony. She went around and told people that she had given her life to Christ and her life was changed and, and she was a blessing to people. Well, the Tsar didn't like that. This was going way back, of course, in time. But the Tsar was displeased and he decided to throw the countess in prison. Teach her a lesson, actually. After 24 hours with the lowest level in the Russian society, in the most miserable conditions imaginable, he ordered her brought back into his presence. He smiled sardonically and said, Well, are you ready now to renounce your silly faith and come back to the pleasures of the court? To his surprise, the countess replied, I have known more real joy and more real happiness in one day in prison with Jesus than in all the days of a lifetime in the courts of the Tsar. You know, it's amazing. When you get saved and you give your life to Christ, He gives you more joy in that one minute after you're saved than you had your whole life before that. One moment with Jesus is worth a lifetime outside of Him. And He gives us such a blessing. There is joy in Jesus. He's the only true source of joy. You know, we all go through things in life that make us happy, that we have joyful times, celebrations, birthdays, anniversaries, job promotions, all kinds of things, but they don't last. They bring you some temporary satisfaction, some temporary joy, some temporary happiness, but it's not like the joy that the Lord gives to us. Because the, the joy the Lord gives us is not dependent on our circumstances or the things that we're going through. It's real joy that comes from within by the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 15 and verse 11, the Lord Jesus said these words, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. The Lord wants us to be joyful people. He wants us to rejoice in all circumstances at all times. Even when things are not always going our way, uh, not always going good, we have some difficulties and trials and things like that that always happen. 
But that joy is not affected by that. And you know, joy is infectious. It's contagious. It's a good kind of contagious. You know, when you get sick, you get sick because you came into contact with germs. It's con the uh, virus is contagious and so forth. But joy is also contagious. Because when one Christian is rejoicing and thanking God, it rubs off on all of us and we can all be encouraged. Especially we look at somebody who's going through the most difficult circumstances and you go to visit them and you come back and you say, wow, I went to comfort him or her and she comforted me and I'm rejoicing now. And that's what joy does. It spreads and it affects other people around us. The title of our message today is The Joy of Our Salvation. The joy of our salvation. He doesn't just give us salvation and he says, you're saved now, Caitlin. You got it. You're fine. No, he gives us the joy of our salvation. And it's with us every single day. We don't forget about it because he is with us in our lives. And you know, the devil wants to rob us of our joy. He wants to drag us into the mire of sin and unconfessed sin, and that's the thing that can really damage our joy, is, is that. But he also can sometimes use things in our lives to puff us up and get us proud. Or he brings things into our lives to devastate us and, and to try to take away our, our joy and encouragement and bring us down into depression and sadness and discouragement. But the Lord says... I have given you my joy, that my joy may be in you and it may be full. And that's the thing that we need today as we live our lives for the Lord. Remember when David sinned with adultery and murder in the Old Testament? He prayed in Psalm 51 that the Lord would forgive him and God did forgive him. The law said he should die because of his sin of adultery. But God was merciful. And David prayed in that prayer, he said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And when you don't have joy, you can see it. You can see it on people's faces when they don't have joy. But when they have joy and they're rejoicing, even when the circumstances are all bad, negative, tough, when you have that joy in your life, it affects other people. It really, really does. And the story today that we're going to look at is from Acts chapter 3, Verses 1 to 10, we're going to look at the study of the lame man. He doesn't have a name. We don't know what his name is. But he's known as the lame man that sat outside the temple gate. And so let's read together Acts chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. We'll read the first 10 verses of this chapter. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain lame man came from his mother, a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. He's, he's pleading, please give me, please give me something. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
And he took him up by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts this morning. We're going to look at three things this morning. Number one, there is joy in knowing Jesus. Number two, there is joy in working with Jesus. It's actually walking with Jesus, but that's good too. I like that. I like that. Working with Jesus. That's, that's the Lord's work. And number three, joy in praising Jesus. You know, there was an old preacher, and Bill McDonald quotes him. It says, this man came looking for alms, and he ended up receiving legs. <laughs> he was looking for alms, and he got legs. And it's true. It's really true in this story. We see how God can take your circumstances, as bad as they are, and there's probably nobody that has a circumstance as bad as this man, and to turn it from sorrow into joy, and to give him real joy. And that's why he was walking and leaping and praising God. So we see that Peter and John went up to the temple to pray, and they probably had done this many times before. They'd go up to the temple to pray. The early Christians, they continued to go to the temple, at this time, and they went to pray at the ninth hour. And the ninth hour was three o'clock in the afternoon, and this was prayer time. So they were all going in. And you can imagine this man wanted to be there when all the crowds were going in to pray, and he'd been there daily, it says in the scriptures. Every day he had come. Every day he had asked for alms. And he'd get a few cents. You know, he'd get a little, a little money if people had mercy on him. But today was going to be different than any other day in his life. Because he was not just going to get a few cents. He was going to become the wealthiest man in the world. Because when we receive Jesus Christ, we become rich in him. And that's what's going to happen to this man. There was a divine appointment that day that Peter and John would be entering into the temple at exactly the same moment as this man was there begging alms. And they were going to come together in a divine appointment. And when God brings a divine appointment, he brings divine results. He brings powerful results. And that's what happened here to this man. It reminds us in the story of scriptural times where people had divine appointments. Remember when Philip went out and he was out in the desert road and he was walking along the road and all of a sudden he came into contact with the Ethiopian eunuch. And the eunuch invited him up and, he, and Philip shared Christ with him. He got saved. He got baptized. And that was a divine appointment. And there's other cases in Scripture. Jenny sang about it today. The woman at the well was not just, didn't just happen to be there at the exact moment that Jesus came. That wasn't just a, by coincidence. It wasn't by happenstance or chance. It was a divine appointment. And she too got saved. And she went out into the town and she told people about a man that told her everything. That she, that about her life, and, and she said, could this be the Messiah? And then they went, all the Samaritans came out to see for themselves, and they said, we believe, we, we believed you before, but we now we believe you even more when we see Jesus face to face, 
and we see that he is the Messiah. And there's joy, and we have joy when we meet up with Jesus. And we see the tremendous joy. And this, this lame man had been there for his, he was lame for his whole life. If you look over to the 22nd chapter of chapter 4, it tells us how long he has been in this condition. Acts chapter 4, verse 22, For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Can you imagine? And it says in, in this chapter that we're going through, And a certain man lame from his mother's womb. He was lame from his mother's womb. In other words, he had never walked before in his life. Not one step. Not one step. He didn't know how to walk. He'd never walked before. And we're going to see that God is going to give him a real change in his life. This lame man couldn't walk, but now he's going to not only walk, but he's going to leap and he's going to praise God. I don't know if you've ever seen that commercial. They have it on for the lottery, the state lottery, and they have these people. And it's such a celebration and all of a sudden they, they've won the lottery and these little white balls come down and the music plays from the 60s or 70s, you know, that catchy little tune, everybody likes it, you know. And, and they're thinking, oh boy, they didn't know that that day was going to be a special day for them and they were going to win the lottery and all be rich and famous and have all these things. And, and, but guess what? This man here had it better than winning any lottery. Because they had, he had the joy of salvation that doesn't, doesn't end. A lot of people that win these lotteries become miserable. They end up losing it all and they become sad. And some of them have even said, I wish I never won that lottery. It's made my life a, a living nightmare. All the people that came to them to get money, all the people that were affected by it, it's, it's, it's not... A good thing. But when the Lord saves us, it's not only a good thing, it's a great thing. You don't even have ball, you don't need balls coming down from the sky. You don't need confetti coming down or fireworks going off. But just to have Jesus in your heart as your Savior, it feels like all those things are happening because He's so good. He loves us so much and He changes our lives and gives us eternal life. And we feel like walking and leaping. And praising God. And that's exactly what this man did. And it was a real blessing. He came for a handout. And instead he got a helping hand by Peter. Who helped him up. And then God gave him the strength in his ankle bones. And strength in his feet. To get up. And walk. And leap and praise God. You know when Peter says look at us. He wasn't calling attention to himself or to John. Don't look at us. He didn't mean that. But he says, give me your full attention. Listen to what I'm going to say to you. Because what I've got for you is better than silver or gold. He said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that's exactly what happened to this man. I told you this man was rich. And it says that all of us as believers are rich. It says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Think how rich we are this morning in the Lord Jesus Christ. We may not have a lot of money. We may not have a lot of the, this world's goods. But we're rich. We're rich in faith. We're rich in eternal life. 
We're rich in peace and joy, and we have all these blessings that cannot be defined, that cannot be described. Yes, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. One day, Thomas Aquinas went to visit the Pope, and this was, of course, many, many years ago. He went into the Pope, and, and they were talking about this story, apparently, or reminding themselves about this story. And so, uh, Thomas Aquinas says, he said, or the Pope says, first of all, he says, well, we can't say this anymore, silver and gold I do not have, because the church had become wealthy, and they had all the silver and all the gold. And then Thomas Aquinas very aptly replied, well, but we can also say the church cannot say, rise up and walk either. And that is so true. You know, here the early church preached Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen from the dead. They were eyewitnesses to what the Lord had done. And they are then going out and speaking to people for the Lord. Everywhere they went, proclaiming Jesus Christ. You know, Peter didn't say, sorry, friend, I'm sorry, I don't have any spare change today. But I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. No, he didn't do that. He says, I don't have any money, but I've got something better for you than money. And he says, what could be better than that? How about a new life? How about having legs that work, feet that work, ankles that work? How about being able to get up and walk like you've never walked before? And you know when, you have, when you're teaching your children and they're learning to walk, how tough it is, right? They walk a little bit and they fall. And then they walk a little bit more and they fall again. And then they get up and pretty soon they're wobbly, but they're walking, right? And then pretty soon they've learned how to walk. Well, who taught this man to walk? Who did? Nobody did. God did a miracle with his ankles and his feet so he could get up and walk. And, and he probably wasn't wobbly either. We can see from the scriptures. He wasn't just walking and then he didn't fall and get up and fall and get up like the babies do and the toddlers do, right? No, it says he was walking and leaping and praising God. Only the Lord can do that in our lives. That's the kind of joy that we're talking about here today. That the Lord saves us to an extent that we have the joy in our life. So that we can wake up in the morning, no matter what we've gone through the day before, the night before, we can wake up in the morning with joy, knowing that the Lord has given us a new day to live and a new day to go out and be a blessing to someone else. And that's encouraging. And there's a scripture that says that sorrow comes in the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. You know, God gives us hope no matter what we're going through. He gives us joy that lasts forever. It's like a well that is inside us and it springs up into eternal life. It's joy. It's incredible joy. And what a blessing it is. And we see here uh, this morning the, the hymn. I was going to sing it as our congregational song this morning, but this other one that we sang was really great too. But there's a hymn that says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. Then the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. And when Peter lifted him up, he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up. Immediately he stood on his feet, walking and leaping and praising God. 
Now, he could have said, Peter, thank you very much. I'm so thankful you were here today. Praise God, I'm so thankful. I can walk. I've got legs now. I'm, but let me go home and tell my wife about this. She, she'd be loved to hear this. Or let me go to tell my kids or my grandkids. Or let me go share with my friends. No, what was the first thing he did after he got saved? The very first thing he did, he went into the temple with them. He went into the temple with them. In other words, he desired to be with the people of God. He desired to hear the word of God. He desired to, to walk with God. And that is what gave him that tremendous joy. Though there was time to tell others about him later on. But he wanted to go into that temple and he wanted to put the Lord first in his life. And that's what really brings joy to your life. When you want to honor him and you have the opportunity to do it, there's great joy in that. And so this is what real joy is. Pure joy is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that when one sinner gets saved, there's joy in the presence of all the angels in heaven. And when one person gets saved, he's brought joy to that person's heart, and he's changed them, and then there's going to be joy by all the people around them as well. And notice what it says in about his testimony in verse 9, and it says, And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now is the chance. He can testify to the way it was before. I used to be lame. I could not walk. They used to bring me. And it says here in this passage that they had to carry him there. And they carried him there every day. We don't know who carried him. Maybe his family members. Maybe his friends. But they'd bring him there drop him off at the temple, and then come back and get him later on and carry him home with, like I said, a few cents. Can you imagine the incredible joy that day when those friends came back or those family members came back and they came to carry him home? Let's take him. We've got to go back and pick him up. Let's say his name is Benjamin. We're going back to the temple to pick up Benjamin like we've done every day. All of a sudden we go, where's Benjamin? He's not sitting in front of the temple. Where is he? Oh, he's inside the temple. Inside the temple. How did he get in there? And then to go in and see him walking and leaping and praising God, it would affect them. They would be so thankful that their efforts of bringing him resulted in a great healing, in a great joy. And then all the people knew who he was because he was, he was always at that same spot. And you know, if you walk by somebody every day, you're going to recognize them, right? We see them in San Francisco all the time. They hang around the BART station and down on the streets and they're asking for money and just like this, begging alms and things like that. So you recognize these people. Can you imagine one day and not finding them in their place and say, what happened to them? Did they die? No, they didn't die. He didn't die. He's, he's not there because he's able to walk now. And he had that joy in his life. So you never know when you go out in your life today that you could be a testimony to somebody else who sees how you got saved and then they will want to receive Jesus also. There is powerful testimony, something that cannot be refuted, when God changes your life and gives you a new life, it spreads. It affects other people so much. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready 
to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. So many people are sad today. So many people are discouraged. They're down. They're troubled. And when we can come along and we can be a testimony, we can be a witness to them, we can share with them that we were like that too until Jesus came into our life. And as like the song says, since Jesus came into my heart, oh, the joy, oh, the blessing. Yeah, and I said before, joy is contagious. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, there's a marvelous medicinal power in joy. Most medicines are distasteful. Have you ever tasted those medicines, especially those cough syrups, right? They try to put stuff in it to make it taste a little better, but mm, no, doesn't taste good. But Spurgeon goes on to say, but this is the best of all medicines. It's sweet to the taste and comforting to the heart. The blessed joy is contagious. Holy joy will oil the wheels of your life's machinery. Holy joy will strengthen you for your daily labor. Holy joy will beautify you and give you an influence over the lives of others. And it's so true. Joy just comes out. It just flows. And when it flows out, it touches people. There was an old man of God by the name of R.A. Torrey that once said, There is more joy in Jesus in 24 hours than there is in the world in 365 days. And then he went on to say, I've tried them both. I've tried them both. You go out in the world, you're trying to find joy, you're trying to find satisfaction, happiness, fulfillment. You try it, you try it your whole life, you don't find it. And then in one moment, when you experience the love of Jesus Christ, you accept Him as your Lord and Savior, He changes your life and gives you joy so that now you can walk with Him. And that's the second point this morning, the joy of walking with Jesus. You can't describe it. It is so incredible that even though we go through difficulties and trials and tribulations and hard times, we have the joy in our hearts to face whatever circumstances there is. There's a, there's a song that says, and I've quoted it before, but it says, I can smile as I walk along life's road. I can smile. If I carry a heavy load, I can smile because I walk with Jesus. And that's true. I mean, it's not that life is ever going to be easy, but when you have the Lord with you, you can face it with joy, you can face it with encouragement, and know that the Lord is going to see you through it. And you're going to be able to be like this man, walking and leaping and praising God. And that's the joy that we have. And that's why the Apostle Paul said to the Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Oh, no, 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 that's not right, right? Okay. Rejoice in the Lord most of the times. No? Rejoice in the Lord always. I love that. He doesn't give you any wiggle room to say, well, if I have this condition, this surgery, this disease, this pain. No. No wiggle room. Rejoice in the Lord always. Only a Christian can do that. Story is told of a third century man who is anticipating his death. He penned these last words to his friend. And this is what he said. It's a bad world. An incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy 
which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are Christians, and I am one of them. Amen. Wow. Can you face death with Jesus? Yes, you can. Can you face it with joy? Yes, you can. In the moment of time, whatever we're going through, we have the joy of the Lord, and it brings joy. It really does. There's so many times I get up in the morning, and I do this verse of the day, and I go through the gateway verse, and I read it, and I put a little commentary, I send it out to some folks. And I get into the shower, and I, after that, and I start singing these hymns. They come to me, and I'm just rejoicing because the Word of God brings us great joy. It really does. And when we think that the Lord has given us His book in one form that we can carry with us, we can have it in electronic form, we can have it in a paper form, it's still the Word of God, and it brings joy to our hearts to have Him in our lives and to have His Word. And there's also... Joy in praising Jesus, too. When you can praise God and thank Him for everything, there brings an incredible joy to that. It really does. And that's why we get the joy. The story is told by Robert Rainey, who observed this. He said, Joy is the flag which is flown from the castle when the king is in residence there. I like that. Joy is the flag which is flown from the castle when the king is in residence there. You know, some of us fly the American flag, maybe you fly the Christian flag, whatever it is, but as Christians, we're flying the flag of Jesus. It may not be a physical one, but by our testimony, by our sharing with them, we are sharing with Jesus Christ with them that he has changed our life. He has given us a new life. He's given us joy, and he's given us gladness. So let's remember today there is joy in knowing Jesus. There is joy in knowing Jesus. This man had never known Jesus before. He'd never walked before. And now all of a sudden he's walking and leaping and praising God. Never again would he be sitting begging by the temple gate. Oh, he may now come and go into the temple and praise God and thank God the rest of his life. And it's also important to remember that we who walk with Jesus can have joy. We can have joy no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how difficult. I had some pain in my ankle this week that swelled up and everything. And I went to bed at night and everything was just fine and I, I was sleeping along real good. But somehow those pains can wake you up more than any alarm clock. Twice in the night, oh, I got up and it was just like throbbing and so I couldn't get comfortable. And I was thinking, Lord, you allowed this pain. But we still have the Lord. We still have the joy. And then as soon as we start thinking how bad our conditions are, right, how bad our pain is or what we're going through, the Lord always brings somebody along that has it worse than us, that has something far worse than us, that takes our attention off self and onto that person and wanting to pray for that person and encourage that person and pretty soon our little whatever trial, pain it is, just seems to fade into the background. And the joy of the Lord overcomes. And we're so thankful for that. And we can rejoice that when we walk with the Lord with joy through valleys and through mountain experiences, whatever we go through, through the deserts of life, He is right there with us. And that gives us joy. To know that He's promised to never leave us, 
nor forsake us, and we can rejoice in that. We can praise God for everything. We can trust Him, we can obey Him, and we can thank Him. So are you going to be like this, this lame man today? Are you going to come to Jesus and you are going to say to Him, Lord, I have sinned against you. My life has been one struggle after another. I've tried to overcome it. I've tried to improve. I've tried to get better. I've tried everything. Nothing has made me feel better. In fact, I feel worse. But I come to you. Please forgive me of my sins. Please give me eternal life. And the Lord will, right in that moment in time, He will forgive you immediately and that joy will start and it will not end. It will not end. It will be an eternal joy, real joy. And may God encourage our hearts today. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for this man who we learned so many lessons from, this lame man. We don't know his name or much about his background, but we thank you that he was there in a divine appointment and Peter and John were there and they shared with him what they had which was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they didn't have silver and gold, but they didn't need that. And that's not what he needed at that moment. He needed to be able to walk. And you gave him legs, Lord. You gave him the ability to walk. And not only to walk, but to walk and leap and praise God. Lord, help us to have your joy in our lives as we walk through this journey. And help us to praise you and thank you for whatever we have, knowing that you're with us. And we can't wait, Lord, to go to heaven and be there. And until then, help us to rejoice, help us to be thankful, and help us to have the joy of the Lord. We just pray now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.